All right, so this podcast interview is not like what I typically do. This was an impromptu FaceTime with the owners of Metabolic, Brandon Cullen and Kirk Diwali, while they were in San Antonio, you know, for one of the openings and, uh, you know, location sightings for one of their many new franchisees. And it, their growth has been so insane. I decided to discuss it as what I consider them to be the dark horse of the fitness franchise market that nobody's really talking about. And I highlight all of this inside of What The Fuck Weekly. That is, for those of you guys who don't know, that is my revamped newsletter. It gets in your inbox every single Monday where I take business insights from around the fitness industry and I tell you exactly what information to extract and how you can apply it to your business, giving you a little bit different perspective on things and just making you a more well-rounded fitness business owner. If you have not subscribed for that, please go to the link in my Instagram bio, get signed up there. Um, but anyway, I, I wanted to just set this up. I mean, this conversation was super cool, super candid. I think you guys are really going to dig it. Enjoy. All right. So pre 2019, you guys open exactly how many franchises in and of yourself without Z growth? 10. I think we were at 10 units at okay. that point. You're at 10 units then, and now here we sit in 2021, and how many units do you guys have? This will, so we're in San Antonio right now launching their new unit. That'll be our first time in San Antonio. I think that will bring us to 15, and I, I think I know this almost positive because we're one away from 50, so nice. I think have Third, what is that? Thirty-five in development, like thirty-four in development. We're one away from fifty, and I'm including a deal that we haven't been able to announce yet. So <laughs> there's, cool. there's two that will be announced, I think, in the next uh, week or so, um, at markets that people love. So just just waiting on the right timing to make that announcement. But I believe we're one away from fifty. And walk me through the timeline on that. From the time someone goes to that website, fills out an inquiry. And then I'm assuming Z growth probably goes through and vets the leads, or do you guys vet the leads? Um, it's really interesting. So Metabolic is really starting to live on its own in a little bit. So when Z growth came in, they came in with the opera, uh, like the structure, and we ran it lean to start where they um, they use multiple resources over multiple brands, right? But now we pretty much have someone in place for everything metabolic. Um, so part of that is a sales process. Um, the way that the easiest way to say this is, you have to financially financially uh, qualify the person, right? So we have a salesperson that does that. Their second call. And is it, it, just so I know, that's like essentially getting a PFS from them, a personal financial statement, looking at what they have. Like, are they capitalized enough to even do this? Yeah, it's a little bit of everything, right? Because, you know, some people might be bringing in family money. Some people might say that I uh, want to use an SBA, but might not actually know how to use an SBA. So it's making sure that they can financially do it. Um, is the first call with our sales team. And we have a couple people that um, normally handle that. The second call, probably the most important one, is with me. And that becomes like qualifying the, the culture fit. Um, if that goes well, we then introduce them to our brand president, who's also the, Z uh, the CEO of Z Growth, uh, Rick Del Santro. And the step after that, that's kind of like those three checkpoints. And if everyone on 
the team is feeling good about that. We invite them to Charlotte for a one-day uh, Discovery Day presentation. Um, typically, go out for dinner with them. Um, I, I'm, you know, you're similar to me. Like, I kind of want to shake the person's hand I'm about to date for the next ten years. So, go out for dinner, and then we do a true sales pitch the next day. Of this is who we are, and this is what we think we offer that is unique out there, and this is where we're trying to go. If a hundred people get to step one. How many people make it to you? That said, that 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 second step before coming out to Charlotte. Um, there are a lot of bullshit leads, right? I don't know if I could put a number to that. I might be able to get you that number to add in. Sure. After this. Ever, I'll talk to the one guy I deal with mostly. His name's Al. Um, I could probably get a more solid number. I wouldn't know that, to be honest. Okay. Well, just, uh, you know, and I know you've got a lot. How many, what are the different markets you guys are going to be entering into? Like, by the time 2022, you know, is done and over with, how many different markets will you guys be in? What are the, the these key, and I know you, I, I love your terminology, these 18-hour cities, right, um, is yeah. really where you guys thrive. What additional markets will you guys be entering? So we will be going into San Antonio, so that will be the first, uh, well, we're already in Texas and Austin, but San Antonio will be that true uh, first San Antonio location. We also should be able to get Fort Worth open. Um, there's some weird permitting things going on there. Stanford, Connecticut, Nashville, Tennessee. There is a chance if we can push this lease through that we might be able to get to open it carry. Um, just... Uh, you know, beside Raleigh there. So that, I don't know how many markets that would take us into. North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, D.C., Texas. We had my sister's unit in Canada. Did that New York City one go through? Oh, yeah. Um, we lost the space that we were in love with, but this new space we are looking at, it's going to be even better. Cool. Um, but again, New York is New York. You know, it's 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 like it's like California. It's almost like its own ecosystem with its own set of rules. With its, there's a lot of um, loopholes in New York City. But it looks like Brooklyn is going to be where we enter New York. When you look at the non-18-hour cities, you look at the LAs and you look at the New Yorks of the world. Obviously, they got hit the hardest with the pandemic. Are, is your playbook from is is that going to have to be different? Like operating, like the typical margins and things you look at, will those have to change for those cities due to the crazy high fixed expenses that they have? Yeah, it's weird. You know what's even more nerve wracking, and you know this, it's the B plus cities that are starting to become the problem. Like Nashville, the York, yeah. Miami's, like we are gonna get a we are gonna get a piece of real estate in Brooklyn. Cheaper than we can get a piece of real estate in Charlotte, North Carolina, Nashville, or Austin right now. That's yeah. where it's getting really tricky and weird. Like, I heard the other day in our market that they're asking 60 a foot near the rail yard or something crazy. Like, I don't know how that works. Yeah. That, that's, a, that's impressive. Here's what I don't know, and I, I think what you're asking. So, where you and I cannot have a 3 p.m. class like that doesn't change the type of membership we can have there right if you look at some of these big players in the big cities they'll have a class starting at 5 a.m. running up to 
10 p.m. at night on the hour. So like that gives you a lot more bodies you can put in your door. You definitely can charge more for membership. Like we're looking at that somewhere between two ninety nine and low threes in um, in Brooklyn. I mean, I mean, you know how that, that that multiple works pretty well. It ends up just being moving zeros in different directions. It's really weird. With you guys going in there, you know, I guess the other thing I really think about for this for your franchises, are you finding more growth from the franchising clients? Because I've listened to the last couple podcasts. I just listened to your last one. Was that Big John? Yeah, Big John. Yeah. Austin, yeah. I just listened to that one. That guy sounds great. Um, a lot of these guys, is even, you know, Col- uh, is Corbin, you know, the, these are clients turned franchisors um, or franchisees. And are you seeing a lot more of that come out of Metabolic or with Z Growth and some of the marketing efforts? Uh, you know, obviously the leads that come out of the studio, you know, the gym it, are going to be way better, you know, at least from a cultural core values kind of perspective. Um, but where are you seeing, are, are you getting a lot of that organic or is a lot of it coming from, you know, the, the marketing efforts by Z Growth? Both. And you're 100% right. Like, you'd be lying to tell anybody that, um, from what I can see, like an investor coming in and saying, this looks like a great opportunity, I'm going to build a team below me to, uh, to, to, to do this for me, that is there. And that's the new thing we're having to get great at. And it actually kind of is very cool to see that in San Antonio, like this week, like this was more of a true, I don't want to say absentee owner. They want to do five units. They knew that from day one, they know the pockets of San Antonio, they want to do it in, and they plan on putting a general manager and a lead trainer in every single one of these pockets. So so what is interesting, I think the reason we started with the owner-operator model, it's because what we, what we knew is where we felt comfortable. And when you talked about the 18-hour cities, that's also what we liked. But now we're starting to see a little bit of everything. Um, I still think if we can isolate the top 50 cities in America and based on population density put between two or five, two to five units in these places, that gets us to that 200 um, location kind of number. And I think we could all like seeing what like the F45s are doing now, it's, it's mind blowing. Like we're not thinking like that at all we are really thinking 200 amazing units and then maybe then there will be that next level of growth or opportunity that presents itself but i think i watched a podcast that f45 signed something like 540 franchised in q3 yeah club industry just released their today their email hit that it was 536 or something like that in q3 yeah it's unbelievable. Yeah. Like, and and here's the thing. I can, you know, this is a different kind of conversation. You can go head to head about like what program you think is better or this and that. What they are doing from a growth side of things, it's mind blowing. Like it's, it's, it's very cool to watch. Um, the other thing that has been a newer conversation that I find to be really interesting, when they did go public, 
they had to wear their hearts on their sleeve, right? We got to see a lot of their numbers. And to hear that their average unit volume was 330,000 in year three with a 25% margin, that excites me a lot because we can do that all day long, right? So we learned a lot of <laughs> their successes showed us like what is possible out there. So it was very cool to see. Yeah, with Exponential taking all those brands public and F45, it, it, it's just interesting to kind of read through the numbers of all that. What up, Kirk? Here. Uh, um, so here is another question I got from how many of your like repeated success, right? So obviously Corbin, it went all in buying up what seven units in DC and Virginia. He's adding what's he adding nine or is it nine total? Nine total. Nine total. Okay. And how many multi-unit? franchisees are you guys seeing like how many people are doing the repeated success thing okay i'm going to do it in one spot and then like three years to five years out i want to go ahead and, and do more and where does like that window and how much can you like how big of a window do they have can they really sit like do one location and be like all right i want to see if i'm successful before i commit to four more or is it like yeah but if somebody else comes in and they want that area it's theirs yeah, like, and the thing is, right, um, so two, I guess two ways to approach that. Number one, when you when you start, you kind of look at everything, right? You're like, yes, I would consider that, and, and you're, you're a little bit more open to things. I believe, and I don't know if you would agree to this, I, I bet you within the next year, there won't be many single unit potential I don't think we'll do that. I think there'll be kind of three and five packs. Um, somewhat because like at a certain point you've earned the right to do that. But then for us, it's a lot easier to really focus on training one team than say five teams. So like it actually works both ways. Would you think that too? Yeah, yeah, I would agree. And I think it's, uh, it's more beneficial for us as a franchise or to grow with one person in one market as opposed to having, you know, four or five different individuals. And if you're and if you're that franchisee, I mean we I mean anyone in the boutique space should know there is such thing as compounding growth. It does create more of a buzz when there's five locations across 20 miles versus, you know, one singular location. Absolutely. We're even like um, you know, to speak to Charlotte specifically, what we've been thinking about re recently is like we don't want to go to Valentine but we're now really starting to think that could be great for the Charlotte Metabolic name, or what was that other neighborhood? Downtown or Waverly. Waverly, like yeah. Yeah, like, we don't have an interest there, but that just makes the conversation in the greater Charlotte area bigger. And if we can, I mean, like we do, you put the system in place, that will only help our units in South End and Elizabeth. So, yeah. yeah. 100%. What are, what are some of the biggest obstacles and challenges you guys have faced during this and the franchise growth that you didn't expect? I mean, Z Growth, Z growth was probably able to set you guys up like, hey, here's kind of the, the roadblocks we're going to have. You guys probably envisioned your own, but what, what were the ones that you're like, I did not see that coming? You know what? Uh, vendor relationships, it's just not a seamless process. Like, and, and you know, at times you you get very frustrated with bringing on a third party that should be making your stuff better, 
or sorry, it should make your stuff like a lot more streamlined. And I don't know, I'm just like, there's a lot of times, um, and I'm talking like the first year going through like multiple looks and, and multiple, uh, and it's just like, we, we kept saying to one another, like, how can, how can you keep delivering such a bad result and still have jobs? Like, it, that was really surprising to us how, let me say it this way, and I hope my, our, our vendors don't take offense to this because we're happy with our people in place now, but, but let me say it this way. It blows me away how generic and average is being used in the franchising world, but everyone's doing the exact same thing. It's the same pitch, the same delivery. Like it's, it's a little bit laughable where if you did anything a little bit different, you could create a hell of a business. <laughs> where have you guys, um, wait, well, so let me show you, let's lead with this. What, what are your projections? Like, well, you guys are currently at like this 30-ish number, well, 50, you know, like we're talking about 50. What does that projection look like a year from now? Will that double? Like, cause you got, like, again, there's that compounding growth once you guys really start hitting a, hitting a critical mass. Yeah, I think, I think double's a good, uh, probably a good number to the way, the way to look at it. I mean, hope. Well, how many, how many will have open is a different story because I think that's, I, I would say that's another challenge is like finding real estate in all these markets seems to be one of our biggest pain points as well. Well, and, and you know the thing that sucks too is you're trying to figure all this out in the worst time ever. Like in COVID, you have no access to things. There's equipment problems, real estate staying inflated for whatever reason. Like, so we're trying to like, at a time where you're trying to perfect your scaling and your your processes, you can't do any of them the way you would do them if you weren't in the middle of COVID. So like, that's been the hardest thing. Like, I think we would have been able to figure out a lot of stuff quicker with not being in the middle of an 18 month pandemic. <laughs> yeah. No, I get it. I get it. What, um, you know, you guys have been listening, you know, fantastic. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure they have a PR firm over, you know, PR uh, arm at Z Growth. They get you guys, you know, get your names out there. So publications and different franchise groups, magazines, franchise dictionary, all these companies. Like, why hasn't the bigger names, like, why are you getting, why do you think, and again, you feel like you're being snubbed. Like, why hasn't Club Industry done a, a segment on you yet? Why hasn't... Ursa even discuss like are you just too small like is there you have to be in the triple digits for anyone to give a fuck why do you think it's not more well known how successful you're growing but also the unique model that in which you're growing like it's one thing for eat the frog to go ahead and open a bunch of units when it just is a green colored version of two other models that currently exist but for metabolic why do you think is there a reason you don't think you've been getting as much press I think on the, the big ones like the URSA and the club industry, there's a little pay-to-play game going on there. You know, like if you go to the conferences and you 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 sign up for the membership, like I think there is a version of that. And, and you know, maybe we should care a little bit more, but that's the thing for us is like we just, it doesn't drive us. But now that you put it like out there, um, there probably is like like th like think about it like we're really excited with how well we are doing, but like 
we, we're at 49 is what I kind of like estimated that with whatever. Yeah. Real close. Yeah. Um, but like I said, at 45 sold 544 units in yeah. Q3. Like, there has to be a certain level of, if they tell our story right now, is it providing them value, any value in, in comparison to telling Rumble's story or Orange Theory's story? Like, maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. So every franchise, once you get kind of get you know some data in the books, you start coming up with a, a failure rate because there are not all the baby sea turtles make it back, right? Currently, as it is now, what's the failure rate now for a metabolic franchise? We've actually only had one that didn't make it through COVID, and it was our metabolic Chambly location, and it actually had to do mostly with the funding being pulled based on what was happening in COVID. So our franchise owner there lost 70 grand of, um, of funding from the bank that pulled it that said, we're not gonna loan on a gym at this time. So imagine like opening it in month one, having no operating capital. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a problem. Um, what do you predict, like, what, I mean, the Z growth, are they able to lean in? Because obviously you guys don't know what you don't know, but like, they're like, all right, well, at 50, we're probably going to see a failure rate of X. Like, what, what do those numbers look like, that sliding scale? Because as you bring more people to the table, there are more variables. Yeah, you know what? We, um, we don't talk about failure, but we do often talk about underperforming. Uh, average performing and overperforming, and one of the numbers that um, our president talks about a lot of times, he says you're going to have 60% of people do the system really, really well. You're going to have 20 that overachieve, call it like a Corbin in DC, and you're going to have 20 that underperform. The thing that's nice about like underperforming to date, it's still around that break-even kind of number for us. You know what I mean? Um, I can't predict that we won't have something that slides. Like, I imagine that's natural. Um, and the funny thing, too, is, it, you know, some of our um, competitors, allies, and all that make these claims that nothing has ever, uh, you know, failed, but they sold the unit eight times to eight, eight different people. And, you know, it's like, yeah. you know. But um, we've been lucky. Um, but I imagine... Yeah, I'm sure it'll happen. Um, but I, I mean, I'll, obviously the goal, the goal is uh, never for that to happen. Sure. But, you know, you, you, I think something like that, you cross that bridge when when it, when you get to it. You know. Yeah. I, we were so hurt by the one in Chambly, like you know, I on the record, off the record, whatever. Like we considered funding the thing ourselves because we were so mad at someone taking a uh, chance on our product to, to, you know, committing their life to us and a fucking bank pulls their money in, in month one, like it was not a, we were not, we were not okay with it. We literally almost tried to figure out a way to fund it ourselves. The problem was because so much was taken, we had to make a decision even if we did this, this could happen 12 months from now, and then we wouldn't have the COVID talking point. We wouldn't we wouldn't have allowed her to benefit from bankruptcy laws and stuff like that. So like it was 
it was all like it really pissed us off i mean like i still i'm i i fucking i feel like i've got goosebumps right now i'm like not okay with it but yeah, it happened that's it right um, two more questions. May, number one, marketing efforts. So as you go into these different markets, and and again, every area's got different cultural, especially around COVID and masks. How has the marketing efforts like have to kind of like bob and weave and adjust based on the new market that you're entering? Because what you've you know proven the rinse and repeat in Charlotte that works or Virginia that works might not you know again work in Cali or in San Antonio. Yeah, and you know what's weird? We've yet to see much of a difference on what digital really does. And I, you would know this, right? So let's call, um, let's say you get 100 leads a month. You're always getting 80 of those from your grassroots relationship building, right? And they're actually easier to convert, which is hilarious. Yet you continue to pay into digital because when someone does Google, interval training in Charlotte, you gotta pop up. And I think the hardest thing to kind of share with franchisees at times is if you spent, call it $1,500, and 20 people came in, and you converted at 30% of those to a 12-month membership, you're paying that all day long. That's a perfect return on that investment. It just doesn't feel as good when 80 people are coming in with you not really doing anything, even even though you're doing a lot to do that. So that's a a tough thing to explain to a a, a non-numbers person to begin with. And then also too, like when you're starting, everything's emotional. It's the first time doing things and everything seems expensive, you know, so. Yeah, I I literally just had that conversation using that same scenario. Out of 100, if you even get, you know, you're paying, you're doing paid media and let use your number, 80% of it comes organically. And the owner's like, why the fuck am I even paying for it? Because those 20 over every month, over X amount of years, still is a big chunk of money. Like, it's still a thing you need. It adds up fast, right? Yeah. Uh, Staying on digital would be my last question. I, you know, during, you know, during COVID, I, you know, Brandon, I think we talked on the podcast and, you know, uh, you know, you can stay in your lane, fucking around with some Peloton of interval training, strength driven is just not your, not your jam. Have you guys been given, is there more pressure as time goes on to, to, to have anything digital or is it some like, nope, we're just, we're going to leave that to just, we're going to invest all the funds into the brick and mortar experience. Well, let me, let me touch on that and then you can say it. This is, here's the crazy thing. The whole world outside of your membership wants to tell you that you need digital. No one in our gym, what? none of members are saying, God, I wish you had a digital option. Yeah. But the whole world keeps wanting to have this annoying conversation that if you don't do digital, like you're in trouble. And I almost am at a point now, Nike, Peloton, even like I looked at street parking, like they're doing it so well. If you try to go hang out in this space and just do a half-ass job, you're going to get destroyed. Like you're not hanging out with media companies. And um, I mean, we can say it like we have a digital product that we're about to launch in, in, I don't know, maybe at the end of the month. But we are now thinking... It's more, we're going to use it, I think, more as a a marketing for franchisees, pre-opening, pre-opening. Um, 
training new staff members in a market that doesn't have a metabolic. Um, so we, we're, we're contemplating how we're going to go at it. Like we've thrown out crazy things like, why don't we just gift the digital to the world for a year? Let's just get our name out there. It's not going to make, we don't need it to make us money, yeah. but we can make our voice louder. Pull a Kelly Starrett mobility wad and post one a day every day for 365 and see what fucking happens, right? Like it's, to go and try to compete with, I think we just need to do something smarter with it. We've already paid for it. We built it out over a couple of years. It's 95% of the way done. The reason we haven't let it go yet is we're like, how can we use this better? Like, yeah. And we don't think it is the, uh, let's charge our membership, you know, $19.99 a month to let them have some workouts to do on the road. It's just like maybe that will work and maybe that is fine enough. But we think we could be like think of like in a, in a um, like a pre-sale environment. So you're trying to pitch a founding membership and you unlock our digital archive until we get open. Yeah. Or what we were saying, like say uh, say you have an investor 